0: Hey, welcome back to the pod crashed this week. We're telling the story of American Eagle flight 4184. Thanks for listening. And then one, two, three. That. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So okay. we are back today. We are back. This, it was a day guys. It was a day. <laughs> um but we're here we're now we're present yep. and <laughs> this has nothing to do with anything i just i really i'm so sorry i need to say this Please. i don't know if any of you out there are watching better call saul yes uh in real time I
1: mean, yeah tell me
0: uh, it's such a good show and i know that like it's on your to watch list but it's you know which is totally fine right you gotta watch Breaking Bad first you gotta do that Brian (laughs) is not up to speed like he's not on the most recent episode I need to Uh, talk about it yeah so if any of you are watching it please (laughs) please message us so that I can talk to you about it and there'll be no spoilers for Better Call Saul on the show absolutely um, none no never I would never spoil it Um, yeah I would have been devastated if The most recent episode have been spoiled for me, so I would never do that to another person. Fair. So, with that said... I mean, um,
1: it got a lot of traction on Twitter, so that's my only reference for it, and it seemed pretty wild.
0: It's... I mean, it's like the best show ever. It's it's unbelievable, but also, I just... I I don't want to say anything that's even close to a spoiler, but I need to talk about it <laughs> so please message me but message us in general but please yes. specifically this um, plane stuff so uh, today we're uh, telling the story of American Eagle flight 4184 uh, American Eagle is like an offshoot or a, a segment of American Airlines the exact relationship between American Airlines and American Eagle is not clear to me it's changed so the years they're interesting it's they're owned by the same people yeah american airlines and Amer- american eagle are making the same people rich i don't know they're right. related right they're, they're but not cousins. related
1: to the american eagle clothing company
0: not related to american eagle exactly because if
1: there's one thing americans love it's eagles
0: Yes. America, <laughs> Eagles, the whole thing. So skinny jeans, whatever. Perfect. <laughs> but uh, And we're going back to Halloween, October 31st,
1: right. 1994. Good. Great.
0: Which, what a great time. What, what were you for time. Halloween in
1: 1994?
0: Do you remember? I Or you guys didn't, did you guys celebrate Halloween? No, no, we did Halloween. We did oh, you Halloween. did? Okay, okay. I, this might have been the year... I don't know what year the um, Batman movie with Catwoman in it came oh, out, yes. but if it was if it was this year, then I was Catwoman. Perfect. <laughs> and yeah, that's my such dad, a good costume. My dad is like still to this day proud that he bought me that costume yeah. because I think it was like kind of a splurge for my family at the time. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, I Ugh. liked it. What, what were you for Halloween in 1994? I
1: think that year I was a Ninja Turtle from
0: Very good. I think it was my
1: brother's my older brother's older costume his grandmother made it for him and so Very we good. recycled it. it was a cool costume it was a cool costume I'll have to ask him and see if we still have it
0: which ninja turtle
1: oh I don't I could not even remember
0: that's okay did you yeah. have a favorite or no I didn't
1: I didn't I, w- I was like into it because all the boys were into it
0: mm, it was fair. just
1: like you know one of those things
0: yeah fair 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 um the (laughs) um (laughs) halloween 1994 and we're flying from indianapolis to chicago now i don't know if this is how you remember it mariah but in my memory it snowed every single solitary halloween of my life every halloween (laughs) you have to wear a coat over your costume it is so sad (laughs) it is a battle of the century Yes. Uh, so parents across the uh, Rust Belt are forcing their kids to put (laughs) uh, coats over their costumes and that's happening to the folks around this area of this flight because it's Indianapolis to Chicago Uh, our girl Nina you can tell us Nina if uh, you had to wear a coat over (laughs) over your costume (laughs) because I know in some places Halloween is not at all coat wearing weather and it's like totally moderate or warm but but in this area cold (laughs) so uh so it is a cold day it's um cloudy drizzly the what i hate about fall it's that kind of weather um Mm. i know lots of people like fall you like fall and i love fall you like cold and drizzly it really is yeah it's good we it complete is. each other yeah exactly but, and uh we're flying an atr 72 so an atr 72 is a french plane actually made by uh i'm gonna aerospatial hmm, maybe yeah um, which sounds like a spanish yeah. version <laughs> of a french word but um they are a french Uh, plane manufacturer this the 72 is like the upgraded version of the atr 42 and this is a brand new plane brand new brand new it was born in march of 1994 now it is flying this flight on halloween 1994 brand new plane wow uh it's a small plane uh it has two prop engines on either wing it has the um I know I know that a lot of you know the words for this stuff I'm so sorry that I don't but it has the kind of like Cessna style wings in that the wings are kind of straight across the top mm. so um yeah not down lower in the body of the plane so these planes are uh very good for what they used for which is hopping around doing like what you know hop 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 from uh city to city indianapolis to chicago is a short flight um very similar to buffalo to rochester buffalo to to or not buffalo to rochester new york York, to buffalo (laughs) or new york to rochester uh like 50 minute flight maybe short sweet And that's what the ATR-72 is for. Um, American Airlines had just gotten a bunch of these from the French company. They're doing great. Making bank, getting these planes over here to hop, hop, hop from city to city. Uh, And so this brand new plane has 68 human beings on it. Uh, two pilots, two flight attendants, and sixty-four passengers, which is full. Uh not like packed to the rafters, but full for mm-hmm. this aircraft, if that gives you a sense of small plane. Yeah. Um we've got Captain Orlando, uh, who is twenty nine and has eight thousand flight hours, which okay. is amazing. Yeah. They're still not Carlos numbers, but that's a lot of yeah. Flight hours for a twenty nine year old captain so he's he's doing great yeah uh and uh we've got first officer jeff he's thirty and he's got five thousand flight hours, so also very well established yeah. you know we've had captains with fewer flight hours than that, so right. yeah, these are good established young pilots and uh the, this is the first flight of the day in what's going to be a five leg flight so they're going to like hop 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 all around uh, five different flights and this is the first one of the day uh, so the weather is like cold and cloudy and drizzly the, um, and the very short little flight they like board up Take off in the air, and just as fast as they're up and in the air, they're starting to think about when they're going to land because it's such a quick flight, right? Um, Orlando and Jeffrey are again twenty-nine and thirty young men. This is a relaxed atmosphere in this cockpit. Yeah, they are playing music. They okay. are not like heavy music, sure. but like easy listening. <laughs> they are uh, joking around like they this is a relaxed atmosphere. Orlando is apparently like kind of very popular for being a really relaxed captain to fly with. Uh, they're well liked by their colleagues. Uh, the flight attendants, one of them is an established, experienced flight attendant. The other one, it's her first day. Her first day ever, the first flight of the first day of her career as a flight attendant. Okay. And uh, when she comes into the cockpit to see if they want anything, they like joke with her and she jokes back with them. She's like, you guys aren't working that hard. And they're like, ha of course not. <laughs> you know, So it's like a nice, relaxed day at work because that's what this is. It's a work day. Yeah. Uh, as they approach Chicago, um, they are—they're <laughs> approaching Chicago, which is one of the busiest airports in the world, and they are a little plane, and times are different, uh, and they have—they have. They have f- so much fuel already on board because this is the first flight of five flights. So uh, unlike now where they would bring like kind of, you know, just the right amount of fuel for the first leg, they've got some extra fuel on. So it's a little plane with not that many people and... Uh, plenty of fuel on board so it gets put into a holding pattern so what should have been you know a short flight is now getting longer yeah Uh, so they uh, call air traffic control air traffic control directs them to fly in a holding pattern uh, just south of Chicago so away from the airport they're not in a holding pattern like directly over the airport and they fly in a circle. They just go around the holding pattern. There's other planes in the holding pattern. Lots of chatter on the radio. It's obviously a busy day. The cloudy weather uh, slowing things down. Chicago is having to just really slow down the rate that planes are coming into the airport. So. Mm Just flying in a circle, listening to tunes uh Captain Orlando goes to the bathroom just what do you what else are you gonna do right. tells uh tells Jeffrey to take over while he goes to the bathroom uh when he goes to the bathroom he uh after he goes to the bathroom, he uh hangs out with the flight attendants in the back and jokes around with them he calls jeffrey and says i'm getting busy with the ladies so if i'm not up there in 15 20 minutes you know where i am and jeffrey goes oh okay uh well i'll and then the captain is like no i'm joking like oh my god i'm going to be right up there uh for reference orlando is uh like newlywed baby on the way like yeah. and i don't know they uh, People flirt with their coworkers. I don't know. What do do we just start? It's it's very boring, right? They're just flying in a circle. So they have the autopilot boop-booped in to do that. They're just waiting to land, right? Uh, As they're flying around, uh, they get that uh, master caution warning, which in context, they understand to be warning them about icing conditions, Uh, It's, you know, obviously colder, way up high where they are at altitude. Uh, It's a drizzly day. We're over Chicago. We're in the Great Lakes region. It's cold, right? So uh, Orlando flips on the de-icing equipment and he increases the speed a little bit. So he does what he's supposed to do to reduce the ice. Uh, He notices that the plane is just a little bit nose up. Like, it's flying with its nose raised just a bit. And that's not a big deal for the aircraft, but it's not comfortable, right? You're not in completely level flight. It's not as comfortable for the passengers. So he just notches it down just a bit, just so that the plane is uh, leveling out. And uh, keep flying in circles. Uh, They waiting to hear from the air traffic control. They send a message to headquarters saying like, Hey, you know, we're delayed in this holding pattern probably means the next four flights are going to be delayed as a result. They're, they're, oriented toward landing right like they're mentally that's the next thing that's going to happen uh so they have flaps at 15 meaning the the flaps for anybody who doesn't know basically they are like a little a little extender like the leaf on a table it makes the plane wing wider so that as the plane slows down for landing it can still say stay airborne mm, if that right. makes sense so they yeah. already have they have the flaps extended uh when they descend they're going to need to remember to uh retract the flaps because obviously when you descend you pick up some speed and they you can't have the flaps extended if you're going over a certain speed uh so they they talk about that they talk about how like oh man we're probably going to forget to retract the flaps when we descend uh just chit chat right chit chat uh they finally get uh a message from the air traffic controller Telling them that soon they're going to be able to descend to eight thousand feet. They've they've been in this holding pattern at this point for thirty five minutes. Okay, flying in circles, which I'm sure the passengers are loving. Yeah. Um. So they Jeffrey says like just looks out the window and. Can see the wings and just comments like oh we still have some ice out there and rolando turns around and looks out his window and says like oh yeah like we still got some ice and he's got the he's already got the de-icing equipment turned all the way up to high what are you gonna do right, right. it's already as high as it can go we're gonna get sprayed down when we land uh, and they finally, finally get cleared from air traffic control to descend to 8,000 feet. So they start to descend and they get ding, ding, overspeed warning because they forgot to retract the flaps just like they thought they would. And they comment on like, ha ha, like we knew we were going to forget. They retract the flaps, which is exactly what they're supposed to do, as they're descending down to 8,000 feet. And there's this loud, whooshing, oscillating whooshing sound. And suddenly the control column rips to the right. Oh, Bam. Right out of Orlando's hands, the column just shreds over to the right. The plane rolls to the right and starts to just fall obviously both men grab the controls and try to wrench them back but it's like it won't move at all it's barely responding to anything they do this aircraft doesn't have anything like power steering they're struggling uh, against the controls trying to push it back to level Mm. they get it back just just a bit start to just just level it out and the plane rips to the right again falls out of the sky crashes into the ground and completely disintegrates oh my gosh everyone on board is killed the plane is obliterated jeez Totally, completely destroyed. They didn't have time to call air traffic control. Nobody heard anything. They were just flying around, totally normal. Wow. And then the plane ripped over to the right and fell out of the sky. Jeez. And where did they land?
1: Or where did it crash into?
0: Yeah, it crashed into a field... Outside of Roselawn, Indiana, Mm. so close to Chicago and uh, Roselawn is is what kind of how this flight is uh, referred to. Mm. So if people talk about it, they tend to call it Roselawn. Okay. So this is. Bizarre. Yeah. Air traffic control didn't get any data that anything was in distress, so when the plane crashed n t s b arrives the next day with no awareness right of what had happened they They're starting before they show up at almost zero right, right? The first bit of information they have is the weather right the The weather had been cloudy drizzly, mm-hmm. cold, but not intense, not horrendous. Every other plane in the area had landed safely that day. They get to the crash site, and again, the plane is is totally disintegrated, completely, completely destroyed, uh, which tells them that it crashed at high speed. It right. had really fall in hard out of the sky, they start to pick through and f- thankfully, in- almost immediately, they're able to find the black box. So they find the CVR and the flight data recorder. They send that off to be processed and they start to pick through there's, there's kind of like step one is find the black box, right? That's imperative. And step two is try to find the four corners of the plane, meaning uh, locate where the nose of the plane is, where the tail and where each of the wings are, because that tells them where, what orientation the plane was in. Mm. And it also tells them, Uh, like uh, information about the angle that the plane struck the ground at. They find by just locating just those pieces, they can tell that the plane obviously had hit the ground very hard, very fast, but that it was in a shallow nose-down orientation, meaning that it was like they had started to level it out before it crashed like Mm. it had started to level out they had started to be able to get control of the plane and they had run out of time they hit the ground before they were able to they pick through and they start that you know process of kind of you know crossing things off things that it you know they can see that uh all of the plane is there, meaning the plane didn't break apart in the mm-hmm. air mm-hmm. Um, they interviewed pilots who had also been flying that day in that holding pattern with them at the same time to see if what their if they had seen anything if they had uh, what their experience had been like flying, what the conditions were like. Um, this is 1994. Right. So the data for knowing what exactly what the weather was like in this exact location at this day on this time was just less sophisticated. Right. So they ask the pilots who were there and uh, the pilots universally said that it was they were universally reported icing conditions, right? there, It was cold. There was, uh, the conditions were right for ice to form on the plane and most concerningly on the wings, but they said it was not too severe and that's why planes have de-icing equipment. Right. One of the pilots that they interviewed was a first officer and he said that he had asked his captain to tell air traffic control um that he thought that the icing conditions were actually pretty bad and so that air traffic control can warn other flights about it and uh he found out that pilot found out in the course of his interview that the air traffic controller had never gotten that message hadn't passed it along and so the The question is then, is it possible that the crew didn't know they were in icing conditions? Like, did that fact elude them? Uh, When they, you know, just listening to the CVR, they knew that wasn't true, right? They can see on the flight data recorder that they turn the uh, de-icing equipment on. They can hear them talking about the ice. Two minutes before the crash, they looked out the window, looked at the ice, saw the ice, agreed it was icy, you know, and agreed that their de-icing equipment was working, right? Or appeared to, they seemed to think it was working. They seemed to be, they didn't seem worried about it. They seemed aware of it, but not worried about it. So did the de-icing equipment on board the plane actually work, right? That's the next question. That's going to be pretty hard to investigate, right? Because the plane is totally obliterated. Uh, The components, so what is the de-icing equipment? There's basically two major components to the de-icing equipment on this aircraft. One is just... Heat, regular heat, the wings uh, get hot in um, certain areas because of the fuel, and that helps the ice melt off. Uh, And then on the leading edge, meaning the uh, edge of the wing that is uh, pointing straight ahead, uh, that's where you really need that to be clean. You really cannot have any ice on that part. So there's something called a boot I do not know why it's called a boot but it's we've talked about it a little bit before it's basically like coated in rubber and like a balloon functionally and air can get blown into that balloon on the leading edge and it will just puff up and the ice will break off and fall off and Leading edge won't have any ice on it, right? So those are the components that are supposed to keep ice off the wings. Right. Were they working? Um, this plane was manufactured in France. So some lucky NTSB officials got to... <laughs> go to france yeah (laughs) and they took the components of the de-icing equipment that they could salvage from the plane and brought them to france brought them to the engineers who had made them yeah and the way this plane was put together which is similar to how it's put together everywhere else in the world um a lot of the components are made like this this factory in this town just makes like the seats for planes and this factory just makes engines and this, you know, they've got like different components are made in different factories that specialize in that kind of thing. So they went specifically to the factories that made the de-icing equipment. They showed them the salvage stuff and they said like, do these look right? (laughs) Like, is this what you would expect? Do these appear to have been working? And the People who made them all said, yeah, that they, they absolutely look like they were working and explained why and, you know, showed the NTSB um, officials how to, you know, showed their work, right? So there, it appeared that the DIC equipment was working. They're crossing things off the list, they're figuring out what, you know, uh, trying to figure out what the next thing is to explore. Yeah. Three weeks after the crash, a pilot working for American Eagle named Stephen printed off a bunch of flyers and started giving them out all over Chicago Airport O'Hare. The flyers basically said... Uh, Attention, American Eagle passengers, the ATR 72 is not safe. It's not, it's deadly in icing conditions. We have begged american to do something about this and Jeez. they won't we've complained to the ntsb we've complained to the faa we've complained to our union nobody will do anything everyone keeps telling them this it's not safe it's not a safe plane if you're flying on this plane you're not safe like just woo, just Whoa. made a flyer passed it out all over the airport yeah and uh steven was jeff's best friend. They were best friends. And it's true that the pilots who were flying these planes all felt like they weren't safe in icing conditions. Yeah, And Stephen says that Jeff actually made the joke to him once that he was probably going to die in this plane in icing conditions. Jeez. And Stephen was going to do something about it. Stephen was at the airport handing out flyers as a pilot working for the airline, which is a a risky move.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so.
0: For reasons I cannot, I don't know, Uh, Stephen went on Good Morning America to okay. talk about the same thing that i get that i get but he yeah. like disguised his face and voice like he they did the blackout thing and i i don't know why he disguised his face and voice for that yeah. but handed out the flyers himself at the airport maybe he's thinking about his future jobs he right. gets <laughs> fired from american and i don't know but he went uh, on Good Morning America and that was the last straw and Americans suspended him without pay. Jeez. So, um, but the NTSB is very interested. <laughs> they don't uh, think that... That he's just complaining, right? They would like to know more. Right. What do you mean? All of the pilots uh, say that this isn't safe. What do you mean? Uh, you've talked to your airline about it and complained about it, and nobody does anything. We would like to know more. So now, now they're the NTSB. Even though they had gone to France and the manufacturers there had said, like, no, no, this equipment's working fine. Uh, they still know that this plane did crash in icing conditions and all of the pilots feel like it's not safe in icing Mm. conditions. So, okay, the de-icing equipment is working. What else is going on there? Right. right. Like the, cause it still seems like there's something there just because the equipment is working. Doesn't mean that it had nothing to do with the conditions. Right. So they, went through all previous uh, ATR 42 and 72 incidents, right? They just, they went through any, anything that had gone wrong with this plane or its predecessor. They just went through all of them Mm. and they found five incidents that were very, very similar with the same aircraft The similarities being, you know, icing conditions, that weird sound, the uh, controls like like ripping over to one side or the other. There was a flight in Wisconsin, in America, in 1988, so six years prior, where. The conditions had been the same. The pilots had heard that weird whooshing sound. The controls had whipped to the right. The plane had stalled out. They got no stall warning, which is very weird. The pilots felt like they had no control and they had been at altitude and they weren't able to regain control until they pushed the engines to max power. And that allowed them to get control of the plane back but they went from flying at altitude on this flight in wisconsin all the way down to 1000 feet above the ground jeez so they fell out of the sky thousands and thousands and thousands of feet with no control before they were finally able to really just get control before they hit the ground and that had happened in the same plane in the same conditions right There was a plane that had crashed and everyone had died in Switzerland in 1989. The same plane, the same conditions. So what's going on, guys? Like, what, what, why is this happening? The NTSB, and I appreciate, again, the different, like, there's some, People have different approaches, right? People who are investigators are going to approach it differently, and I think this is a very wise way of going about this. One of the NTSB um, agents went to the engineers at Aerospace, and uh, at Aerospace, whatever, and asked them what kind of ice buildup would cause this to happen. Right. So working backwards. Yeah. What would ice have to look like on this plane for this incident to occur? And uh, one of the engineers who I guess was like one of the like oldest and most like um, seasoned engineers working there Drew, he didn't speak any English. He drew a picture on the wing of where ice would have to build up for that to happen. And he drew the ice behind the boot, right? So behind that little balloon on the leading edge of the plane. He says, if ice builds up here, then this incident can happen. And what he explained. Through translation or whatever, what they figured out is if a ridge of ice built up behind the boot, then the air would flow over the leading edge, hit that ridge go over the ridge in like a gully if that makes sense mm-hmm. it's like hard to explain yeah. but it would go over the ridge and then when it hit it came down the hill of the ridge it would bounce up off the plane, if that makes sense so when it bounced up off the plane, it would make like a I guess kind of like a tunnel, like a surfing tunnel, right? So it would make like a, a vortex there. And that vortex, because it's like lifting up, it creates suction against the aileron on the wing so the aileron if anybody if you can imagine a plane if you've been on a plane and you've been behind the wings and you could see the back of the wing outside there's those little flaps on the ailerons or on the wings the little flaps on the wings Yeah. and those are what control the plane uh, tilting to the right or the left banking to the right or left so when so that makes sense right the plane the controls had ripped over to the right and they hadn't Physically been able to push or pull the controls back to level. So, this engineer working for the company that made it said this is how ice could build up, and this is that would cause the incident that you described. But it shouldn't build up like that. That shouldn't happen. They're designed to prevent that. So now they have a plausible scenario, but they don't know if it's possible for that scenario to ever take place. Mm. So they keep digging through the NTSB is camped out at the aerospace office, going through all their papers, making everybody nervous. Uh, the the aerospace, like the company says, no way, it's not possible. Probably pilot error. They mm. actually had the audacity to say it's probably pilot error. The uh flight that crashed in Switzerland, the same plane, the same conditions had gotten officially written up as pilot error. So Jeez. because I know that's what makes me mad. Right. So uh the NTSB needs to like run a test and the test they came up with is wild so first they went to the um the national what are they called the national meteorological Agency? I don't know. They, right. went whoever, yep. four, they, they went to whoever. Yeah. Channel Four. They went to,
1: to Channel Four. Yeah.
0: No, they went to whatever the federal version of Channel Four yeah. is. Yes. And um, they asked them what kind of ice could build up like this. What could right. this be? Or what kind of ice do you think was happening on that day? And their scientists, the meteorologists, said that it was probably super cooled large droplets and Mm. everyone at the ntsb said what's that because this was a meteorological phenomena that was totally unknown to aviation at this time like pilots had no knowledge of this this was not understood it wasn't taught it wasn't known about pilots had no idea that this was something they could run into Essentially what it is, it, uh, these like tiny, it, I don't know why large is in it. Large, I guess, is, doesn't mean the same thing in science, <laughs> but they're actually tiny droplets that are like the size of like the, the size and shape of a hair, if Ooh, that makes sense. So okay. like, long, very thin droplets of super cool below freezing water. They're in liquid form. And they don't actually freeze until they hit a surface, like a firm surface. So what they thought could happen, putting all of these different factors together, is if these droplets hit the boot or hit the leading edge of the wing and then slid back behind the boot and then started to build up and stick right there because of the specific uh, way that this liquid, this these super cool drops function and behave, they could slide back behind the boot and then start to build up there, exactly where the engineer had said they would cause this kind of crash. Right. So in order to test this, they go to NASA, so this is just a field trip week for the NTSB. They go to NASA, who's been studying these super cool large droplets, and they have like a like a tanker that can produce them, hmm. and they flew that up and they f- like into the sky and they flew an ATR seventy two behind the tanker. They filled the tanker with water that was dyed yellow. And then they released it onto the plane as it flew to see where the dye would stick, where the dye would build up. Because obviously by the time they got it back down, it would just melt. The ice would have just melted. So they flew and they spat the super cool droplets of dyed water all over the plane. And they got down to the ground and there was like that thick yellow line right behind the boot, right where, right where the engineer thought the ice would have to be. Right. So. Reconstructing all of this. On Halloween 1994 this plane with 68 people on board got into that holding pattern and just at that moment, at that time, at that place, going in that circle they would fly in and out of layers of clouds that contained those super cool drops. And every time they would fly through them and back out, through them and back out, it would just like build up layer, 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 layer of ice just behind the boot on the wing. The pilots couldn't see it from where they were. Their de-icing equipment was working fine. It just wasn't sufficient to solve this problem or to prevent this from happening. Hmm. It just flew around and around. When, when Orlando had noticed that the nose was just up a little bit and had tilted it back down, by that time, the, the ice had already started to build up. So when he tilted the nose down and exposed more of the wing, the top of the wing, to the increased airflow, that was the first thing that started to put them in danger. Then when they descended and picked up speed and retracted the flaps all in one motion, the combination of the little bit of turbulence with the retracting of the flaps on the wings and the increased speed created those little gullies and ringlets or whatever of of air mm. on the top of the wing that sucked the aileron up and Jeez. forced it up. And inside the cockpit, that so when the aileron got forced up, it pulled the cord that's connected oh to the column and ripped the column to the side. And they physically could not overcome the force of the air. Oh, my gosh. On the wing. That's terrifying. Oh, my gosh. Rash. So the FAA, besides being warned by pilots that this plane wasn't safe turns out the FAA had also not tested this plane at all themselves. They had just accepted the French tests, which I'm sure the French did great tests. But like that's not that's not what their job is. Right. right? That's not what they're supposed to do. And we do have different weather conditions in Chicago or Wisconsin or Buffalo or whatever than they do in France. Right. And they the FAA, FAA just made like a blanket, this plane can't fly in icing conditions period, which functionally made it like a lot of, these are like American Eagle had just bought a bunch of these planes and want them to fly their like northern routes. Right. Now they can't. Uh, obviously, Aerospacel wants to uh, fix this problem. Right. They don't now that it's shoved in their face like this right they and I don't know I'll say this I have no knowledge of how much they were involved in like the investigations for the other crashes I don't know that right I don't imagine that they were like sending planes out counting on them you know crashing as a result of this whatever but they they Change the de-icing mechanism, Change the shape of the wing to keep this from happening. Um, they had to send out parts and pay to have all of the wings on all of the planes that they had just sold to everybody. You know, every single one that was out there, they repaired to prevent this from happening again. And basically all the airlines just moved those aircraft down to the south so you know i mean i'm sure that in the summer they would still have them up north but they just basically sold them to airlines that flew in the south or sold them to um you know like central american uh airlines or kept them in florida or whatever but they they solved the problem and they prevented the problem, right? They right. changed the shape of the wing, they changed the de icing equipment, and then they sent the planes down south anyway. But oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. <sighs> so was this, this, like, was the investigation still deemed pilot error? No. Oh, good.
0: No. Good, they, good, good, good. this one, no. They, it was completely the they the pilots didn't do anything wrong right the pilots were um casual and maybe like a little bit you know goofy or whatever but they didn't do anything wrong yeah. everything they did was under normal circumstances would have been correct and safe right. well and it's
1: funny because uh, like when you started telling this story i was thinking like oh god they're almost 30 so they have that like and they have a lot of flight hours they have that like confidence behind them they've been doing this for a while they know what they're doing right. so right. obviously yeah. not a great uh result but i'm just glad it wasn't like you know that kind of like
0: that it wasn't their fault yeah like that yeah. that
1: cockiness that you get when you're 30 you've been doing something for a little while but you're still right. you know like learning <laughs> right. For, <laughs>
0: right essentially
1: right. like you know
0: yeah yeah, but it's, I mean, it's incredibly sad. Yeah, and,
1: that's horrifying. And
0: nightmarish, right? Yeah. Like, I feel like it would be, it would just feel so, it, it feels very unreal to imagine. Because yeah. it's so sudden, so bizarre, so scary. On Halloween. And on Halloween, right. Yeah. And what is, what what's very, very sad is that, they think that if they had had more altitude, if they had had more space between them and the ground, mm. that they might've been able to recover, oh. but they were just too low. Right, like There just wasn't enough time between them and the ground.
1: Oh, geez. That's horrible.
0: Horrible. Wow. And it's, it's good that, that, um, Steven got the word out. Yeah,
1: seriously. He... He risked it all, I mean. God. He did. He risked his career.
0: Honestly, how expensive it was to, like, print flyers in 1994. Right. Like, you had to go to a print shop and, like, that was a whole thing. It was like the height of Kinko's. Right, right. Seriously. And, like, and I know it's, like, a small thing, but I guess the reason I say that is because there was, like, he, like, Planned it, executed it, like it took steps. Yeah. He contacted Good Morning America. Like he did a lot. Like he took his time and his energy and his money and his reputation yeah. and funneled it into drawing attention to this and probably part of it is just like anger fear yeah. not wanting this ha- to happen again like two weeks later you know you're getting right. into winter he he did that at like the end of oof, getting close to Thanksgiving which is probably another reason why American was mad at him you know right, right. before like the heaviest time oof. of year to fly but for all we know he prevented another crash yeah. right like we don't know right And he galvanized the other pilots to, you know, refuse to fly them um, while the, you know, investigation was ongoing. Like, just, I mean, we love collective action. Of course. Good job. Wow. Oh. And, um...
1: 1994. Yeah. Because I was going to say, like, I mean, like, the what am i trying to say like the um like social media wasn't a thing so it was even harder at that like you know like the internet was just starting to become a thing
0: yeah nobody had like a computer in their house in 1994 but i guess somebody did but i don't know (laughs) about those people right right (laughs) you know and yeah just a lot of yeah, it's hard to get information out. Yeah. It takes a lot. It's very effortful. Right. You have to really care you have to really care. Yeah. And he did. Yeah. Jeez. <sighs> yeah. Goodness. And obviously, like the the meteorological data that pilots have, the air traffic controllers have is so much better now. They know about these super cool you know droplets or whatever which is another thing that i don't there's no way of knowing how long that data would have existed in the minds of scientists before pilots found out about it without this you know what i mean like how long would that information have existed without some of the people who need it having it
1: right right
0: (sighs) Jeez. yeah
1: wow a very sciencey story
0: very sciencey. very investigation yeah yeah do you have uh is your fact sciencey?
1: it's not sciencey, but ironically uh has to do with airlines and chicago kind of oh oh my fact is mm-hmm. marla gibbs who played uh she was she's a, she is she's still alive she's a very famous actress um who played the the housekeeper on the jeffersons and oh. she worked for united airlines for a long time uh and was what? transferred out to la and she's like well i'm i'm going to give this acting thing a try got she did a you know like a few theater things here and there and did like a bunch of little uh roles and then landed this role on the jeffersons and oh my god continued working at united for two years while she was filming on the jeffersons
0: oh my gosh
1: the the show the tv show had to essentially like buy her out of
0: oh my of
1: gosh working for united she was like um someone who did like reservations like she just booked tickets yeah so oh good my
0: gosh yeah and she's from chicago good so how her.
1: how ironic is that but yeah,
0: that is amazing. Yeah, that's wonderful. That is wonderful. so wonderful. And good job.
1: Yeah, and she like talked to her boss at United. Like, good job, United, for this story. But she like talked to her boss and was like, "Listen, I got this other thing. <laughs> I may be late, so let's just like switch my schedule." And she, oh I mean, gosh. and I don't know if anyone has reference for how long the hours are for, like film and TV. You know, it is very long days, like eighteen hour days.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: and she still worked at friggin united <laughs> during and i'm sure she wasn't on set every day i don't really have any reference for how often she was in the show or whatever but it just blew my mind that she had two jobs and
0: yeah.
1: one of them was being in the jeffersons <laughs> and the other was yeah. working for united it's just amazing
0: but being so being on tv yeah when there were like three channels you know what i mean that's amazing right Right. like you that is incredible and hard and (laughs) fantastic
1: right and And then then,
0: keeping your day job at united (laughs) can you imagine
1: no absolutely not and that was actually one of the interviews i read someone was like but aren't you tired and she's like no i'm fine i'm just like oh, i'm I'm well, exhausted here like reading this story laying in my bed reading the story i'm exhausted for you
0: yeah no that's that is that's so yeah
1: it's cool two years guess... two full years and then she was like okay i guess this acting thing is kind of taken off i guess i should get united up but she worked for them for like oh, 10 or 12 years or something it was a long time
0: that's amazing i wonder if that i mean i guess again if you like love aviation there's like a the last flight I ever took when I worked in aviation Mm. so the last non-rev flight I ever took yeah I sat I was seated next to a pilot and yeah, yeah yeah. you know and we like chatted and it was very nice it was actually really wonderful yeah and I Like it was, but he told a joke because part of what he was basically, he basically said to me was like, good for you because it's so hard Mm. to leave aviation. And I had graduated, you know, with my master's and wanted, you know, I was going to go work in my field and, and he was like, it's so, so, so hard to leave aviation. And the, he told a joke, which I'm probably going to butcher, but the joke was, (laughs) I don't even think I'm going to be able to tell it. I don't even know how, (laughs) basically, oh, a man came into a bar and he's covered in like poop and pee and like some disgusting blue liquid and like just disgusting and the the bartender says like what are you doing like what's wrong with you and he's like oh well it's my job i'm the person who cleans out toilets on Clean. airplanes and he's just like so you have to how why are you covered in like sewage yeah. and he's like well you know sometimes it gets really messy you know but whatever gotta do it yeah and he's like why why would you take that job like why don't you get a new job and the guy says like what and leave aviation <laughs> and exactly. that again i'm sure there's a better telling of that joke because i'm right. remembering it from like years ago whatever yeah like it is like that yeah that's real yeah like yeah. people get you i you lived with me when i was working like 18 hours 18 hour days Insane. every day in buffalo and just i mean
1: <sighs> I, like
0: but you do feel like that you're yeah like, oh my God, i can't leave aviation i can't right. give up flying well and
1: it's so fast-paced that there is something i feel like about it i mean i'm no mm-hmm. scientist mm-hmm. i think we all know that by now
0: <laughs> but there <laughs> has to be
1: something i don't know like you're i don't know if your like brain gets addicted to like that fast pace or just like this constant oh, yeah. like i don't know like uh just like going 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 or like having to be like yeah. get these things out on time and like all of the different things and Mm -hmm. then the customer service aspect of it like there's so many moving parts and yeah and then yeah i don't know just working all those hours and it's wild it truly is like full respect for anybody who works in aviation and everybody who works in aviation
0: right Right. And because if you if you have a customer service job in aviation and you like customer service, like I I love customer service, I just can't help it. I really do. (laughs) And I but it is you you yeah, you get to even on like the worst, most horrible, objectively terrible days. Yeah. You do actually get to help some people. Yeah. out of really bad situations you know right. what I mean like you get to help people I don't know get to where they're going or whatever right. the case is I mean gosh
1: yeah, yeah. And I mean there's you, so I much human interaction remember, too you know like yeah. you're yeah I mean that's ex- that's that's exactly it like there's so many different scenarios and people and stories yeah. that are coming through day in and day out
0: right and like the foxhole mentality, like you know, the camaraderie with your coworkers mm-hmm. yeah. and all of that stuff. Right? Yeah. I mean, the ramp guys at um, Buffalo had a basketball court. Yeah. Uh, like our basketball hoop, yeah. I should say. Yeah. Um, out on the ramp and would play basketball all day every yeah. day between flights, and that's fun. That's amazing. <laughs> that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's amazing. Yeah.
0: But I did leave aviation. Yeah. And I am okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I exactly. miss having flight benefits. It's not a career for everybody. No, it's not a career for everybody. I think that if you're going to work for an airline, you should definitely work for an airline that's career oriented. Yes. Yeah, and like, cares you about you as for a worker. Yeah. Exactly. And or at least has health yeah.
1: insurance and good things right. for you,
0: time off. Right. And if you can. Find one that has a union. Yeah, that's great. So and if you find one that's not a union, you can make a union. Start a union. <laughs> you can start a union. Yes. Are so we going to turn into a union, a union podcast? <laughs> Just yes, kidding, guys. Hopefully. This is now a union podcast. <laughs> hopefully, if I can play some tiny role oh my in unionizing gosh. like Delta at JFK, Listen, it would be the proudest thing I ever did.
1: Do you want? random podcast guest speakers at your union meeting
0: oh my gosh we
1: will be there
0: in a heartbeat in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat. yeah In a, oh my gosh fundraiser yeah. we can't even raise funds for ourselves nope. so we, i don't know <laughs> if we'll be able to do that but but yeah we have but, there's
1: no money involved just
0: yeah we can't we can't bring any money to the none, table <laughs> but
1: unfortunately but
0: yeah if for no other reason i mean for a lot of reasons because again guys Anybody who tells you that you that the union won't help or you won't make more money. I know that unions don't solve everything, sure. right? But pilots have a union. Mm-hmm. And pilots get paid more and work better hours than you, right? right. Like, like it's working out for them. Right. Pilots complain. I by all means I know that pilots are listening to this and I know that your union cannot be everything that you want it to be. I'm not again it's not perfect. Sure. But you do make more and have better hours. Like your life is is markedly improved better, yeah, <laughs> by the presence of the union. Right. So it's tangible. Um, it's tangible, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. But cool. and yeah, and if they weren't gonna have to pay you more, the airlines wouldn't fight unionization. Yeah. Like the airline itself is fighting it for a reason they're fighting it because they would have to pay you more exactly it's not it's not because you won't get to be best buds with them anymore right. like you're not anyway, you're okay. not best Enough buds of, with them now right Don't be right if you were yeah if you can't go and swim in their pool you're not best buds with them exactly so. So, on that note, <laughs> May Day is coming up, right? It's almost May 1st. Yes. So, it, tis the season yes. to, for unionized season. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Cool. I love you. I love you, too. I love Thanks you. Thanks for telling that story. And thank you for listening. Yeah. I love each and every one of you. Yes. And uh, we'll see you next week. Sounds good. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Pod Crashed. We so hope you enjoyed it. I don't know who gets this far to the episode, but uh guys, we hit uh 20,000 listens and by the Time you're hearing this, we've actually surpassed that number. So thank you so much. I don't even know what to say. And maybe by the time we mention it in the uh, main body of the episode, I'll have figured out what to say. Uh, But right now all I can say is thank you so, so much. It's crazy and unexpected and a wonderful treat. So uh, thank you to Every single one of you who have shared or told anyone else about um, this show, it's just wild and uh, eternally strange because I don't know why we do this show in a way, right? Um, But you like it and we like you, so thank you. And, uh, if you ever want to get in touch with us for any reason, you can email us at thepodcrashed at gmail.com, or you can find us on Instagram or TikTok. If anyone wants to teach me how to use TikTok, uh, please reach out to me on Instagram or email us because I, I don't, I don't get it guys. (laughs) I'm just, I'm still trying to figure it out, but, um, yeah, uh, just, we love you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll look forward to seeing you next week.